Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the Dat Chat Podcast. I'm Austin and I'm joined by Jake and Jordan. We're back again. How's it going, everybody? I'm doing all right, guys. Thanks for asking. That's cool. Nobody cares about you. Care about the topic. Aww, fine. Well, our topic for today is the uh, the great and marvelous uh, future cities. And yes, that is a very, very broad term that we're going to be discussing today. So we will most likely just hit a few key points here and there and probably have some um, things to go along with it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is so some of the, some of the cities or references we might make to technologies or places uh, do exist. Um, places that people may know, like Dubai or Singapore. Um, however, a lot of these are also conceptual in nature. So we're talking about plans, not just cities themselves in terms of like layouts, but we'll also be talking about cities in terms of technology, infrastructure, uh, and other things that private companies you'll see like Tesla or Amazon are doing too. Yeah, man, those super, those super, the super boring companies, some might even say. My favorite part is the hypotheticals. I can't wait. Yes, and there's some good hypotheticals today, so looking forward to it. Wait to spout but, um, off all my nonsense. You're going to love it. I'm waiting. I'm excited. I'm okay. And I'm excited. You um, want it all right now? But to, I want yeah? it parsed out over no. the episode <laughs> so that we could respond. Um, but here's a, a general question I'd like to start off with. Uh, what do you guys think of when... When someone says like a future city or cities of the future, what do you think of? Is it is it like a, a regular city that's highly advanced or some like out of Star Wars, like a cloud city kind of thing or something crazy? I think up until recent times, I've been on the super futuristic Futurama look of the, the city, you know, flying cars, all types of different industrial things that are just out and about flying around. It's all cyber related um infrastructure doesn't look the same as it does um basically something out of like a sci-fi movie is the first thing that comes to mind when i think of future oh man i got so many uh let's see there's the mad max uh everything's just desolate there's the uh judge dread you got mega towers uh let's see what else we got um magical utopias like atlantis that's one and then i think the last one would be just a normal city like within 50 years it'll probably be almost exactly the same very mundane it's kind of funny you bring up that like dystopian thing because actually that's what i used to think of a lot as a kid was like blade runner or like a mad max or something crazy like that where it wasn't really like this awesome thing but kind of dark and dreary but real technological with all the lights and crazy androids and cars and stuff I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so I always thought we'd build higher and further rather than lose things along the way. <laughs> Jake is our optimist on this one, guys. Lucky. You know, I'll, I'll play the uh, guy that goes back and forth. To go off that, I actually think um, a lot of the stuff is going to be like Im- immaculate stuff to just look at when you actually like walk into that city boundary. But to us, it's just going to seem mundane because it's just going to be gradually... Uh, introduced to us to where we're gonna be like okay yeah this is normal to where like if you were to take somebody from the past and magically just wish him into like where we were we are at that time he's gonna be like oh my god everything's like flying you got jellyfish everywhere it's awesome and we're like yeah no this is normal jellyfish so don't look at it yeah i think that's an interesting point too is that the fact that it is gonna take 
just baby steps to implement it all. It's not like you're going to move to LA tomorrow and it's going to be this massive overtaking. Like it's going to be a piece by piece that just slowly kind of becomes the norm. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's a really good point too, because I think about um, <clears throat> like my mother's father died in 1999. So like, the the whole internet age thing and social media and all that other stuff it it's kind of more under the surface right so like if he were to be alive today just spring back to life today and just walk outside the door he wouldn't really see something that was fundamentally different right cars existed maybe they're a little sleeker these days street lights are still there I don't know. I think you would definitely notice the difference between the cars because 90s cars are shit. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about as far as like designs and stuff. He would definitely see that, notice that he'd be like, okay, but he would still look at it and like, you know, it's a car, right? Like if you've grown up with cars in the last 20 years, 30 years, you're going to see a car and be like, it's four wheels. It's on the road. People inside driving it. It's a car. But but, like there (laughs) wouldn't be this fundamental change. Like, Like houses aren't made of like crazy new materials and we don't have all this other wild stuff going on, but at a technology level and at a social media level and a digital age kind of level, all of that would be something he would only experience if he was actively engaging with it. Right. So in a lot of ways, the world has changed, but I feel like that's dependent upon your age, your perception of what kind of technologies you use, all those other types of things. So when I think of future cities as an adult, I think more along the lines of practical developments and changes, slight alterations, maybe eliminations of things like the major roadway being your major transit. And like maybe trains are more common, high speed rail. Um, I just think of like more efficiency, I guess, these days than I think of like flying cars and crazy stuff. My favorite thing that like just became apparent to me was the amount of noise and everything that flying cars would cause and why that likely isn't where we're going to end up in the future just because of the displacement of air that's something like everyone just has this grand vision oh in the future cars will fly and it'll be amazing but what about all the other problems they create you know like it seems like we just had like blinders on that didn't take into account any of like the the law of physics that would require that to be a thing yeah that's actually a really good point there's there's a lot of different problems that come with new advancements of technologies, right? I mean, flying cars bring with, you know, the risk of, well, what happens if you park at like the airborne 7-Eleven and you forget to park just a little too close to like the, you know, side mounted walk and you just open your car door and fall down to your death. Um, you know, that's a problem that doesn't exist these days, right? You well, obviously have- we would have the warnings. American cars well, all have warnings. Well, I mean, no. So them, don't right? forget like to check a lot of American cars seat. have reminders that your car is on or that you're starting your car with like the beeping and all that. So I would assume that at least in America, it would mostly just be like me, me. You're not close enough to the uh, sidewalk, there, guy. Well, right, but those can be abused too, right? Like we've already seen with Tesla the um, the remote driving technology, right? So the um, the self correcting AI and other technological aspects of their cars have actually caused some people to die um, in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise died if they didn't have that tech in their car. That's not to say that the tech is necessarily 
Yeah, but wasn't that like a misunderstanding? Not always optimized, or not, or like mislabeling of the technology that was introduced to the car. Well, and also just like abuses by the drivers. But these abuses were also you have to remember allowed by the existence of this technology in the first place, right? Right. How many but people I mean, who I, are like I have remote driving capability are actually going to like let themselves fall asleep at the wheel? I would say probably very few. But it does create a new problem, right? Like the introduction of drinking back in the day was drinking and driving was never a problem until we got cars right so like technology will inherently cause other issues as it mixes with people too we got lane assist now man you just drunk driving down the highway you're good swerving is a thing of the past it's a fine pass please like a year because we're definitely gonna need more than that at, at least six months ago, man. At least. Six ah, ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> because okay, good. Corona, Corona stopped driving, so we're uh, <laughs> we're all done with swerving now. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, so what are, what are some of the technologies that you think a future city would have? I mean, it, from the outlandish to the practical. I mean, is there anything on your top three list or something that you absolutely think future cities are going to have or run on or feature? We're going to try and keep this under an hour, right? We're still trying to keep this under an hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fine. All right, uh, I'll go first. One of, one of the ones I um I was brainstorming today and throughout the week, it was uh, modular skyscrapers. And uh, I'll try and paint the picture for you. So just imagine it's it's a... So it's a it's an actual skyscraper, just like um kind of those like giant towers that you saw in Judge Dredd or anything like that. But... The fa- um, you can act uh, you along the side of the building. There would be something al- along the lines of like you know how the um, window cleaners have those uh, little dolly things that raise them up and down. Yeah. So yeah, the um, the the building itself would have that, but that would be for like the modular unit. So say your apartment is like a um, three wide and like two tall or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then you could um, if there's a slot open in the in the actual building for it, then you could insert your apartment unit in there thereby like you owning that apartment unit so you wouldn't actually like rent out the apartment you would just rent out the space for it so you could take your home with you and then if you if it doesn't fit then you'd have to pay like some kind of i don't know like a moving fee where they would have to reorganize some of other people's apartments or something so yours would fit if you wanted to like keep your exact dimensions i'd say that's interesting interesting so then if you have a problem with like your local your local uh government or state government or something you can just eject ocedo your whole house yeah some other building someplace money talks like, exactly maybe. money talks well and that and, and just like the mega structures like of dread of dread would, there would be um it'd be more centralized so there wouldn't just be living units there but there would also be like business units there would be um recreational units uh like quality of life units so like a garden or a park or something along those lines so essentially, I would so it'd never be have almost to like leave a, this. Yeah, it'd be like so a, for whatever you call them, like a biodome almost. Yeah, well, it'd be like a shut-in's dream. And I, I want to talk about biodomes too as a separate subject, but yeah, also biodome. Fair enough. But uh, I'll let you guys have a chance at it, and I'll come back to my outlandish ideas. <laughs> I am a firm believer now, and that the rail system in some way, shape or form is going to be reincorporated all into major cities. Um, ideally we would like a 
think Jordan stands on the same point as this is the high speed rail system kind of across the country. But I think more specifically, especially now that I've been in Kansas city, um, for the last four months, like we have something called the streetcar. It's an electric rail system that just, it just runs from the North side of town all the way to the, the South side. And it's just a, it's a typically non COVID. I think it's like a 18 or 20 an hour a day thing that just runs and you jump on it's free public transportation that gets you from point a to point b with multiple stops along this electric rail um i think that'll be something that'll definitely be probably more incorporated um along the lines of what you're saying i don't know how to phrase it or describe it i guess uh it's something like the module kind of building infrastructure where everything is just like intermingled like you're starting to see it even now like on some major university campuses and stuff where like student housing is like basically incorporated into like a strip mall so like just that concept expanding on a grander stake scale of like just the the plug and play of different types of units next to each other is definitely something i agree with you on too have they actually started making strip malls into like student housing now in colleges? Oh yeah, dude. Like even when I was in Columbia and Chicago, like the entire ground floor of mine was like a Dunkin' Donuts, some like uh, okay, boutique shopping kind. thing. Like yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. No, I've seen those and yeah, those are starting to pop up a lot actually yeah, even like in my the, area. I think a it's lot of like in the university side of things, it's kind of like <laughs> the main play to try to get kids to stay on campus. Um, gotcha. With dwindling enrollments, they're trying to get their local kids to stay. So they're like, oh, hey, come pay room and board and we'll set you up in this sweet shopping center. <laughs> you want donuts? We got them. <laughs> no, but um, we'll a lot of keep it open 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of regular apartment complexes have them here too. The last one I was at had a gym in it, had a nail salon, um, like a banking, I think, or insurance company, and a few other things. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, just that the logics behind there for the income and the resources Mm -hmm. kind of the bait. So I think that's why it'll continue to expand and become more like mainstream to basically engulf the entire city and units that are like we were just discussing completely secular from one another, but like you could not venture outside of that particular infrastructure and still have everything that you need slash want. Yeah. I, I, so yeah, going along with the efficiency thing for me, I see cities kind of fundamentally changing design, um, not necessarily buildings and such, um, but maybe shifting from, so, so there, the the big advent in the 20th century was the grid system, right? So if you compare a city like Chicago to Boston, Chicago's yeah. a lot more organized. They have alleyways. They have other things that like New York doesn't have where like garbage piles up between buildings because there's no alleyway space for refuse or any of that other stuff. So I see cities kind of taking another fundamental change in terms of becoming more efficient than a square system, but more circular. So, um, something like a pyramid. No, no. Strongest shape. Circle. Uh, (laughs) Like an actual circle. No, it needs to be pyramid shape. Well, you can, you can put a central pyramid in your city and live at the very top of it. And then you can overlook your, your whole circle from any side of your pyramid. Basically just going to transplant the pyramid from Vegas to this new city. I love that hotel. It's so good. Phenomenal hotel. <laughs> so cool in that lobby too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it it's something where I think it would make it easier to have train and transit systems where the city centers shopping entertainment all of that is centralized within kind of a, a more circular area and then you have your suburbs kind of built around in a ring like fashion right because a lot of these future cities that they talk about want to eliminate the use of personal vehicles in in their downtown areas and i think that's really hard to do in a standard grid system because of the way that they're naturally designed, right? You'd have to have weird train lines and public transit lines all throughout the area, like the the um, uh, Chicago transit system, the, the CTA, utilizes rails that have been around for a long time, right? But they kind of have weird stops and exits, and they don't really move concentrically to a lot of different areas. And I think you could cut down on the amount of resources used if you use a ring-like system and then people can get off at a lot more frequent points around those different rings, and you could have inner rings of different areas to get you wherever you want to go without necessarily causing congestion and traffic and eliminating the need for cars within your city centers and the big areas. So you can design your suburbs and your more rural areas, farming, all those other things that need a lot more space and land around the concept of a more circular city. So. That's something I see for efficiency is um, city layouts kind of being rethought and fundamentally changed. So like almost like a like a dartboard, really. You're looking at like your bullseyes, like your central transportation hub and Union Station or whatever. Your next little outer circle there would be like some of your shopping or whatever. And then your next outer circle could be like dining. Is that what you're kind of saying? Like it's exactly. just like a tiered layer out? Exactly. And based, oh, so like and the solar based on having, yeah, so basically, like what right. service you're looking for is what ring you go to, right? And then and you then run into the problem instead of using like a ton of different transit lines that go in these weird patterns and make no sense. You only have straight line systems coming in from the rural communities and areas. They meet up with stops that connect to the concentric ring system around the cities, and then each of those systems essentially just operates on its own path that goes around and around in a circle with small trains that move in between the circles if you need to get to a further circle in or out. Because I'm assuming these grids are going to be massive, right? They're city size. So nobody's going to walk necessarily from one ring to the next. Right. But because these trains only have certain functions and only go to certain stops between the circular functions, you don't need to have as many trains and as much track. So it's easier to maintain. It's easier to keep everything organized. Um I think it would be aesthetically more appealing for a lot of people too, in terms of the type of architecture you'd be able to feature and making cities look more beautiful. And uh, even the biodome thing that Austin kind of alluded to earlier would be far easier to achieve in that kind of design. So which way are you going to have everything travel though? Just sorry, clockwise or counter? Yeah. I mean, realistically, you'd be able to operate them like trains do today and switch directions as needed if you want to. If the planets do it, we got to do it because I don't want to get bullied by the planets for being different. We got to match it up to Saturn's rings, man. Exactly. Well, I guess I guess it's gonna have to be the way toilets flow then, right? So depending <laughs> on what hemisphere of the yeah. planet you're in, you're gonna have to base okay. your good old Coriolis effect. Toilets. <laughs> we'll use that as our standard. <laughs> good, good. As long as we have rules. So wouldn't that uh, kind of cause disparity though? Because like people like say in the outer rings are like undesirable or something along those lines. And then like the more further you get into the center, the more important you are. Well, I mean, that kind of exists already, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in, in 
the classic example of cities as we understand them. And I, again, coronavirus has changed this a lot for a lot of people being able to work remote. There's some shifting dynamics in the housing market, but classic logic has been, there's a lot more stuff in terms of entertainment, business opportunity in cities, right? So downtown real estate is really expensive in comparison to a lot of people who want more families, more space, parks, things of that nature, living further out in the suburbs. And that's not to say that cities themselves don't have poorer areas and richer areas, because of course they all do. But a lot of those dynamics exist. But the the, the, the point of the concentric ring system that I'm talking about for future designs is that your your functional commercial sector is really what's in this system, right? So most of themselves wouldn't even, there wouldn't really be residential housing within most of this area, uh, at least not in the way I'm imagining it. Most of that would be uh, external rather than internal to the central part. So really you'd have more or less everybody living at the outer edges of this thing rather than inside of it. Because inside of it, that's where you're going to have your restaurants closer to your entertainment sectors. And you're going to have the, the movie theater is not far from the shopping district. And you want less of that residential space that people are moving through the further in you go, because you want them to be right next door to all the different things that they came here to see. Not necessarily, we have to walk past three blocks of residential homes to get to that next thing we want to do. So that's why when you station the homes further out, and you station the entertainment further in and you rely less on that driving traffic and on less traffic in general, um, you can control the flow of that traffic and you can more easily kind of center. I don't want to spend my day in, at the very heart of the city, right? Where probably it's like the capital and like a lot of government stuff going on throughout the day. So maybe I want to be in like ring three where there's some parks and some leisure stuff activity going on. And then maybe tomorrow I want to go into ring two where I can do some heavy shopping and get like, you know, bridesmaids outfits for the wedding or, or whatever you want to do. Are you um, getting married? I am not getting married. Not currently. Uh, that was <laughs> so, just a weird, that was so just a weird example. There. Caught me off guard. We're good there. But um, it is, uh, it, it's something that's designed to kind of break the, the city up in ways where it's not like, you know, you have, like in the previous example of a wedding dress store next to the footlocker. It's like, it just doesn't make sense necessarily how it's all kind of arrayed. So things would be able to be organized differently and you'd be able to go to different sections based on what you want. Let me ask the obvious question, just to play devil's advocate. Yay. Is this going to cause for our new central cities to change? Because I mean, obviously to basically restructure an entire city would be a massive undertaking. Like you don't just take Dallas and say, all right, the grid system's out. Let's blow up these buildings and restart. Like how would, how would that be approached? Yeah. It would almost certainly shift the, um, the locus of, of where people live uh, to different newer cities that are being constructed. Um, like for example, in the Midwest, we're, uh, the three of us at least are all familiar with Milwaukee and Chicago. So an area that's not quite as developed uh, in between those two areas, like uh, Lake County, Illinois, or Kenosha County, Wisconsin, could be reincorporated as a city between those two cities and a new type of city design 
Um, and it would uh, it would essentially be able to connect to those two cities, but it would also have a fundamentally different design and layout, and more people would likely, assuming it's a better city, um, <clears throat> relocate to that locus, and people would start repopulating uh, older cities to newer places. Like uh, in California, a lot of people during the gold rush era had boom towns that are ghost towns now, essentially. Um, you'd probably see a lot of that kind of similar effect as well with people relocating. So your cities are boom towns now? They're ultimately going to fail? I mean, hopefully they'd be sustainable <laughs> boom towns, but yeah, they, they would almost certainly, at least in the short term, have some kind of boom. Yeah, for sure. It's all going to come out of the Twitter marketing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. As long as uh, Twitter still exists at that time, based on their financials the last couple of months, it's been pretty rocky. <laughs> See, I, w- I, w- I would like to think that a lot large group of people would just be like, you know what? Circle cities aren't in anymore. We got to go to like octagons or like a square city. We're going back, going back to the you retro know, city. You know, <laughs> you, you'd think that something like that might be trendy, but I mean, nobody said anything about like that over the grid system versus older systems of cities. They kind of just live and adapt to what they're That's because they didn't have Twitter else. back then. Now we do. Now you can vote, right? Maybe this, you know what? Maybe we could take your modular concept and make the whole city different modular chunks. So Ooh. if they get sick of a circle one year, they could do a star or a square or a triangle, whatever they want. Have a goal line with like the These Chinese. These are big ideas, ideas right here, guys. We're, <laughs> we're combining all the aspects, big ideas. I think you're yeah. leaving the door open for a lot of gridders to make a movement to make grids desirable again. <laughs> Bring back the grid. Make grids. We need to trademark good. all this stuff. <laughs> MTGA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, <mega>. thank you. <laughs> be mega. Um, but all right. Next, next question I had. I was curious. What do you guys see in terms of? So we're talking about new cities, new technologies. Um, you know, modular stuff to you know fundamentally different designs. Uh. Oh, I mean, all of this is hypothetical. Unless there is so a city, I'm kind of taking yet. it where we go. I I would uh, actually imagine Dubai would adopt that probably really quickly. And Dubai is an interesting case too, along with um, like like I mentioned earlier, Singapore, because uh, in terms of technologies, at least, both of those places are big trial cities. They have relatively contained populations. Um, they have quite a bit of capital invested in them, so there's a lot of opportunity in places like that to really try and invest in new building technologies, new computing technologies, and um, really kind of get things off the ground. So um, yeah, those are two examples where I would absolutely see if we are going to see trials like this um, that aren't full scale new cities being built. uh, I think cities like those two would be prime examples of where we'd see that be implemented first. What type is, um, uh, is it Akon city? See the one that's getting the one in Africa? Yes, yes. Akon is um, working on, I cannot remember the name of it, but um, yeah, he's looking to make a technologically advanced city in Africa. I believe it was in Senegal. The Gold Coast? Is it Senegal? Mm-hmm. Is that where it was? Okay. Yep. $6 billion so, smart city. Yeah, and I mean the the, scale, oh, the scope and scale of what he um, was planning on and is looking to do is pretty remarkable, especially for 
um, the continent of Africa, where not a whole lot of that has been going on in the past. So uh, it's a project that uh, I was following for a while, kind of fell off with it a little bit because there, there's still a lot of planning and pre-planning and other stuff going on. So I haven't been keeping up all the time with it. But I mean, I think that's a it's a awesome opportunity, um, not only for Acon and for um, Senegal, but also just for Africa in general, because they have to rely on a lot of other powers, uh, primarily the United States and China, um, for a lot of trade and other things. And they don't necessarily always get the great end of those investments. So seeing him go in and really kind of double down on the concept of building a technologically advanced city out there that I hope can actually be an inspiration to a lot of other countries uh, and kind of kick them into gear to reevaluate their city designs and their technologies as well. So I'm really excited for that project as well. That was a good mention, Jake. I don't think Europe would hop on that so well. It's just because they're really deeply into the roots. Well, in Europe, Europe and even China, to some extent, have a bit of an issue that a country like the United States does not quite have. And that's a lack of large scale open space in which to do this type of thing. Right. So Uh, most European countries like Europe as a, as a continental mass is about double the total population of the United States in uh, density, but it's only about half the size in land mass. So Europe would have a much <clears throat> a much harder uphill battle uh, in terms of getting something like modernizing their cities. I mean, you're talking about overhauling. They would really have to overhaul a lot of existing cities like Paris and London and um, other places like that, unless they were able to work something out where they could find equitable ways within the space that they have to make these newer cities. A place like the United States, I mean, to build a new city along the Mississippi River would not be very hard at all. To build a new city somewhere against the Great Lakes in terms of Lake Superior or um, Lake Michigan would not be really that difficult. And to build along the coasts, again, would not really be that difficult in comparison to um, a lot of these other European states. So, yeah, worldwide, it would definitely be implemented differently. But again, too, that's also another incentive for a country like the United States to maybe do something like this, is it could entice um, people to emigrate from their countries with their talents uh, in greater numbers and come here to some of our futuristic cities and, um, you know, kind of create a better life for themselves and a better environment for us by uh, bringing their talents and pooling them with our technology and our geographical space. But here's my next question. We've talked uh, a bit about that tech, a bit about some of the possibilities. Um, what do you guys think in terms of future cities? When you think of powering a future city, what kind of energy are you thinking about? Renewables, fossil fuels, nuclear, thorium, solar, wind? Uh, what, what are you guys thinking of? I'm going to solely invest in hopes and dreams. <laughs> A man can dream, right? <laughs> Driven on hopes. And, I like it. I like it a lot. A cool concept I saw recently was uh, at least on uh, nuclear power. And with uh, Bill Gates's new uh, facility that they're trying to get up and going. But I know they were kind of blockaded by the whole um, dispute between the U.S. and China. I think it was the tariffs that went on that stopped that. So I am interested to see if we can 
renegotiate those and possibly uh, actually get one of those built and see how well it actually does compared to our aging nuclear technology. And for those listening, um, what Austin is referring to is the company TerraPower, T-E-R-R-A. Um, that is a, a company Gates has invested in and is a primary backer for. Uh, and they work in battery technology. Uh, primarily, he's trying to incorporate depleted nuclear fuel as a essentially nuclear battery that both uses dangerous nuclear fuel up and provides a massive amount of power on a city scale. Yep, that's what I was going for. <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly summarized. Mm, uh, yes, thanks, Jordan. I lean in the same way. As, like, if there's going to be some type of, I think, quantum breakthrough here before too long for a renewable energy source. Uh, but I'm also a firm believer is like if this was to start happening pretty soon. So we have a lot of the capability of just seeing, like even the story we covered about the, the Australian sol- solar panel field um, and the amount of power that's going to be able to produce, I think solar and some yet to be discovered um, nuclear option is probably going to be the way that these cities would move forward. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm personally a big proponent of the nuclear route to both fission and fusion. Um, I actually really like the the same concept. Oh, you're one of those people. Terra Power. Um, yes, I am definitely one of those people. Uh, how think, how uh, dare you not stick with one? Where's your fusion? loyalty? Well, all right, my loyalty is the <laughs> if I have to choose between the two. The problem is, is that the, the tech's not quite there yet. But um, it's it's something we've been working on for a long time. They've always talked about since the 50s, how it's right around the corner. But uh, I, I think we're actually a lot closer than we have been in a long time. Um, I also think that uh, a substance I'd like to talk about uh, more in depth in the future, but graphene is hopefully going to be reinvested in and re-looked at um, as a way to produce uh, desalinated water and other stuff for some of these coastal cities. uh, And also as a way to kind of help us reinvest in new technologies for hydropower utilizing the ocean's currents um, as a way to power things as well. Uh, There are some uh, wave current powered things that exist today. One of the most common people might know of is the ocean cleanup project. Um, So so there's a lot of cool technologies that I think we could use natural forces for, but we already have a lot of nuclear fuel that's been spent. So I would like to see us uh, at the very least right now investing in uh, nuclear technology and things like Terra Power and trying to find ways to take waste that we've already kind of created um, and more clean methods of energy like nuclear that produce a lot of energy for what we put into them and they're clean burning. Um, I definitely would like to get away from fossil fuels as much as possible. Invest in the Dyson Sphere. To anyone that doesn't know, the Dyson Sphere is a giant sphere that would... Pretty much in case or just go around the sun and directly take its uh, energy from there and then transfer it from there to the earth. Yep. Just like something that would be required to create the simulation that we all live in, that we've talked about before. Hash. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, ne- the next question, and if you guys have any of your, of, uh, uh, of your own questions to interject with, let me know. But the next Do they have to pertain to the topic? They do. 
that they have would be helpful. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, but the next the next question I had was, what do you imagine day to day life like in one of these cities? And to give some context to my question, one of the one of the big companies I'm looking at in terms of what they're trying to do is Amazon. Based on the total capital they have, the profit margins that they make um, for reinvestment into the company and to the things they do, Amazon's one of the top companies in the world, and it's based here in the U.S., so it would probably affect us directly before a lot of other places. We look at a lot of the things and technologies that they've done um, already, right? So from the Ring doorbell and being able to link smart objects in your home with their Alexa platform to all kinds of other stuff that they're talking about doing like Amazon sidewalk, <clears throat> which they want to be able to put into cities in the future. What's that? Uh, so Amazon sidewalk um, is a essentially Amazon run wireless platform that would connect an entire city network together. Uh, uh, I thought it was an actual Wi-Fi. Well, yeah, it sounds like it, right? Um, Cause I was about but, to, they, I almost thought they took my that... idea. One of my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have an idea for sidewalks? Uh, kind of, yeah. Is this something oh, we're yeah. keeping on the DL, or can we can we share? No, 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 yeah, I'll, no. I I don't have the funding for this at all. But um, so you know how blue light keeps people up, right? Like on your devices. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So we um somehow get it into our sidewalks and street at night, so that uh for those that are having a hard time staying awake or need actual illumination instead of using street lamps it's just coming from the sidewalk or street so there actually is a concept for this in a roadway yes but mine's uh, on a sidewalk (laughs) well it's just reminding me of this project though um i think it was someone in the netherlands yeah it's called sidewalk somewhere in europe (laughs) just call your project sidewalk (laughs) um but yeah, it's it's a similar concept where they were using essentially um, a lit road instead of street lights, and it would also generate heat from within these panels that connected the road together. So it would be able to do things like melt snow and ice, so you'd be able to drive them safely during the winters as well. Um, so that's that's actually a really cool concept, um, and I, I would be interested to see something like that too because. I don't know about the rest of y'all, especially if those things generate heat, Austin, because I have eaten shit more than a few times on unsalted sidewalks or unshoveled sidewalks from neighbors and other people who have not cleaned up their side of the sidewalk. So it would be really cool to um, have a more winterproof sidewalk living in a cold place like I do. Ah, so you want the premium package? Okay, that's gonna cost. Oh, you is that gonna cost me a monthly subscription now? What do we get? No, no, no just you, just you. Oh, just all right. Well. <laughs> you're gonna pay for everybody else. The, re- the rest of you can get this benefit <laughs> through my cost. So you're welcome. Uh, once it goes live, but uh, um, yeah. So so kind of getting back to to the idea of day to day things within these future cities. Amazon's talking about drones. Um, I, I mentioned their their Wi-Fi program, Sidewalk. What do you guys think in terms of other minute changes or or overt big stuff? Um, I know Amazon also brought up the concept of a blimp, like blimp warehouses that would literally float above cities holding product. 
<laughs> and the drones would fly from the blimps, taking product down to either people's homes or to street-level depositories, where then you would go and access essentially your box or whatever else it is. I imagine um, more rudimentary version of where they just have the blimp, but it's just a bunch of monkeys tied to ropes to the blimp, or it's like more of a bungee cord. So they just give them the box and they just push them out. That sounds more like a city of the past to me. <laughs> no, like it's something but, awful. <laughs> no, okay, so it's it, it's one of their more cost saving measures that you know they're going to implement to like more rural areas, where the chimps only have to remember so many addresses. Yeah, but then what happens to the monkeys when you pour water on the wicked witch and they can't fly around anymore? Well, they're not flying; they're falling. With style. Oh, they just fall. All right. Yeah, I, I said they're on bungee cord. Right. They'll come back up. So, so yeah, that's. That is a wild image to think of right now. I mean, if but, you're comfortable with that, we can do cats because they always land on their feet. So we don't have to worry about that. You know what? That might be better, actually. Just tie the package to the back and then the, the cat falls and lands <laughs> on its feet. But do you do you envision there being any kind of uh, different thing that you would see on a day-to-day basis in one of these cities? Just drones flying overhead that you could get used to and would be comfortable for you? Uh, to go off of our topic earlier about, or to go off our little area, bleh, to go off what we were talking about earlier, uh, the part where more, um, uh, I guess, like neighborhoods are being more concise to like a, a whole building structured where it has like the living area, the food, the, uh, the commercial use, what have you. I would see more uh, like giant walkways connecting those buildings. They wouldn't be at street level, but they'd be able to connect them like say, two or three stories up and then there'd be like another one, like three or four more stories up. And it would be like almost like an interconnecting spider web or yeah, no, I guess I'll go with that. Just like an interconnecting spider web that would indirectly connect um, building to building so that people that want to drive can still drive down on the streets. And then if you want to walk kind of more in a safe manner, you would use the, I guess the catwalks or just like the tubes. Well, it's interesting. Cause I don't know if you've ever been to like, Des Moines, Iowa, or um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, they actually, a lot of their downtown districts has already started to do that just because the winters are so harsh there that they already have, like, interconnected, like, you can get from, like, the central city buildings to a lot of, like, the financial district and a lot of the shopping district all without going outside, like, ever. So I definitely think that's something that would become, like you said, like if we went to this modular fashion and you have all these things within one unit, you would probably be able to circumvent or almost make them, like, airport terminals, you know, with, like, mm-hmm. your little your little rail that you can just stand on, your little escalator that takes you by yourself. Um, and then, no, you got so the, it's not the slanted escalator, but yeah, it's the flat one that yeah. people use to walk on. And then you always have that one guy yeah, that's walking walk in the faster, direction. Faster, yeah. <laughs> or, or he's walking the opposite direction for, like, exercise or something just to be that guy. Absolutely. So, like, I definitely see that being something that we'll get. I agree with you on that, kind of the Skyway, Sky Connection, because there's even a couple of them, I think, down here um towards the crown center in kc uh that connects a lot of the like the industrial stuff to like the lego museum and stuff like that as well huh. i have another one it's um dang he's gonna like this one but uh dome cities preferably the ones from like big o oh okay yeah and um oh, all I right get, yeah i'm city style yeah and then um 
Well, I, like, uh, they'd be, um, I, th- I, th- I forget where I saw it from, but they would actually be mostly uh, climate regulated just because as the hot air rises in the top, you'd have the vents that would exhaust that out. And then the cold air would come in from like the bottom, creating like this perfect client or like stable climate or at least comfortable climate for humans and other creatures. And then you'd be able to use the dome itself as like, I don't know, say a giant uh, solar system not not solar system like solar farm i guess like having the the paint like the glass panes or um gem panes or whatever they're going to use to line this thing is going to like either block out more harmful like radiation coming from things outside or being able to collect energy itself and to power the whole uh system right Right. So to give some context for Jake, as well as anybody listening that may not know what Austin's referring to, uh, the show, The Big O, it's uh, an anime show from the 90s that has a distinctive Western stylization to it. Um, the the people in that show, uh, and Jake, you're going to like this concept because uh, they, they live in a not so real world. Let's say that. Um, they live in these cities that are essentially bubbles. And the bubbles do have these these glass domed um, tops to them, but all of the land outside of the domes it's very reflective of a Martian thing, but it's essentially Earth um, is essentially wasteland that they can't really live in or survive in. So they live in these these connected disparate domed cities, uh, and that's how they survive. So that's what he's referring to. Good show if you're interested in that kind of. Uh, stylistic art Ooh, another idea um gundam colonies oh you're talking like uh more space level stuff now yes well it'd still be the same fundamental concept it would just be in giant cylinders in space i mean that would be a city of the future for sure mm-hmm. yeah those those things are uh crazy too or um, uh uh I got another one with uh, more advanced technologies. We could do more underground cities. Yeah, that, that was something I was actually gonna gonna get at too. Was what what do you guys think about non traditional forms? So, I was gonna bring up the concept of floating or um, subterranean, essentially um, city concepts too. Do you think those would be viable? Uh, floating, I don't see just because the ever changing. Um... Well, I guess the wind patterns aren't really changing, but there's always those like rogue maverick systems that will come in and disrupt it. So I don't see how we'd be able to, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'd be able to keep them afloat with whatever technology we're using, probably hot air balloons at that point. And then the only thing I would have to worry about with the subterranean cities is to make sure they're very far away from fault lines. I was to say, it's just away from any type of tectonic shift possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I think it would be cool because you could um you could have like panes or uh, panels that would actually re- replicate uh like uh, longer days if you wanted. You could actually have a better cycle for humans that would probably be more efficient and more healthy for individuals. So you could probably have like say a little bit longer day of daylight time and then have the optimal time for night for individuals so that they're all on the say like a circadian cer- rhythm. Yeah, and then uh you um climate wise you could. I, I don't know how far you have to go down before you start actually feeling the heat from the Earth's core, but I'm pretty sure it'd be decently cooled. And with most people living there, they'd be able to dissipate the heat into the walls probably fairly easily. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm all aboard subterranean. 
because if you can do anything to minimize or alter the weather effect on me, um, mm -hmm. I'm signing up for it. And of course, there's the Matrix, but we won't get into that. <laughs> you already know my opinion. Yeah, there's some real, uh, some real interesting um, concepts there too, especially the the concept of uh, geothermal warming and uh, geothermal energy as well from the uh, the core. Oh yeah, I so, forgot. That's how you would power the th cities to underground. Dang it! Exactly. So, take all right. Taking all that into account, though, and taking into account the the concept of these cities becoming feasible, how long do you guys think we could see any any of uh, any one of these changes across the board uh, actually? be implemented or take place we're talking short term long term so far in the future we couldn't even imagine it i'm not trying to be too optimistic with this but i'm gonna say within 50 to 70 years um i was gonna say being the resident optimist i was gonna say about 50 years for a lot of the things that we talked <laughs> about especially like yeah. kind of more the modular and like the interconnectedness um as far as your oval or circular city mapping and stuff like that with improved infrastructure which doesn't seem to be something we're too worried about right now um it's going to take a little bit more time let's say probably like a hundred or so to get to anything that's completely out of traditional thinking or any of like the the underground or suborbit kind of thought process for sure i think we should move away from circles and go to egg shaped but i will say i also believe that we'll have some sort of a city or colony on Mars within the next 50 years as well. And the moon. Oh, yeah. That, but then you'd probably just do dome with that. Yeah. Or pyramid. Yeah, I think that will actually yeah, detract I, I some, of the, some of the drive for us to advance some of our current stuff because we'll be so far pushing to adapt and change and establish those other things. Huh. See, I would think it would be more of like, it'd be probably about half and half. Just because with that, uh, in order to develop the technologies to actually bring them to other planets, we would first have to do it on Earth. So that would eventually bleed into commercial use. True, but I mean, like, for the sake of, uh, um, like, Madison going circular, probably not going to happen here before it happens on the moon or Mars. Because just because of oh, the yeah, space and resource to be able and to it's also start like from a, scratch. It's like a blank canvas. So I think on the timeline... I may actually be the most optimistic. I think we'll start seeing some of the things discussed here today within the next decade or two. Maybe even less time. Oh. How come? Why? Well, Explain. My, my general thought process is around third world countries that are uh, trying to, and second world countries, that are trying to kind of modernize, catch up, get more involved with uh, world trade, uh, the globalization process is still quite alive and well in terms of global trade. So there, there's a lot of different interdependencies that are expanding, especially outside of like the U.S.-China manufacturing relationship. Um, more of that is moving to India. More of that is moving uh, back to the U.S. in some sectors. Um, and other countries are getting involved in that as well. The push for renewables and the new jobs that's creating I think is going to speed up drastically the process of uh, sustainable energy efforts because the biggest hurdle I see to a lot of this is 
hurdles themselves. Itself. Oh, so yeah, literal <laughs> hurdles, right? Yes. Um, but but the biggest one I see is the energy factor. Being able to cheaply produce energy or even produce pa energy passively for free through the solar, through wind uh, usage, um, things like that being adopted, refined, improved uh, on a larger scale are just going to continue to drastically improve. Uh, if you look at the prices of solar panels in the last decade uh, and then look at it in the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, it's a substantial decrease. And as more resources get invested into these technologies and just the inherent benefits we have of those technologies in terms of gathering the energy and expending it, eventually, I, th I think we're already at the point now where you could make a justification that the cost benefit is better than fossil. And a lot of these resources get set up and the maintenance isn't necessarily too heavy on a lot of them. So if you can put them in large quantities or other things like that, and you can generate a lot of power, you can sustain your cities more effectively and efficiently. You're talking about being able to put a lot more financial resource into the actual construction or building or planning of things rather than generating the power needed and the, uh, the effort needed to get these things done. So see, seeing the kind of trends that I'm looking at with these things, I think that we're actually going to see, and again, it's not going to be some of the bigger, crazier stuff we've talked about, but I think you could start seeing improvements in transit, cost efficiency for things like high-speed rail, other things like that really start to improve within easily the next, you know, 10 to 20 years. What gets me interested about is that all these predictions we could make are like the trends that we think are going to happen could always be like set off almost instantly as they're starting to get popular. So like... Uh, was everyone's trying to move towards electric cars, but something else like I'm a big proponent of the hydrogen car. And I think that's going to be the future more so than electric. Now you're referring to the, I, I actually tend to agree with you on that front, um, but you're referring to the liquid based, not the gas based, correct? Um, whichever one it is where it's like the whole system is underneath the car. So, in so the, the ex and the exhaust the water i forgot which okay. one it was though i think so it's that's the, more that's more the gas type that's like the electrolysis yeah. type where you run it through yeah. the current and it produces um so the what i'm talking about and this is more in relation to planes right now than it is uh, necessarily okay. cars but it's the replacement of jet fuel in planes with liquid hydrogen that we use in like rocket technology mm -hmm. um because you're getting essentially like 300% more energy out of uh, the same amount of fuel. So that kind of, uh, and it's not as volatile uh, in storage as a gas-based hydrogen system would be. So there's less risk of, you know, your trunk exploding or something like that, which is a big reason why so many people are hesitant to adopt. Um, or idiots won't try to put it in their car either. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's not going to be safe for you as an individual to fuel that type of thing. The way it is with gasoline, you know, you can pull up to a gas station and uh, handle that process yourself. But um, the use of a, of a liquid form of it is much more easily distributed to regular people. So that's, um, that's actually a technology that I, I myself am more in favor of too, especially for uh, larger commercial transit operations and, um, uh, other things of that nature. I'm not too worried about the 
disparity though between hydrogen and electric so much because mm -hmm. especially if the the sources of our electricity are easily renewable and plentiful um does it really matter to me if like my my mileage with a battery is not as great as my mileage with you know liquid hydrogen not really not if there's infrastructure for me to fuel up everywhere i want to go or wherever else um and the energy is low cost because it's mostly being uh you know sustainably produced uh but i i do agree with um larger systems where lithium-ion batteries may not necessarily be ideal for weight or for storage or other purposes um liquid hydrogen is definitely a good way to go to oh for the sake of kind of keeping us on track i think what you're referring to more so austin the fact that like some of the stuff we're theorizing can be shifted just because there's so many dynamic shifts to how it's approached because like you said what I took out of what you were saying is people are thinking electric and then this hydrogen idea got introduced and then it shifted. So then the electric conversation changed. Kind of what I was going for. Another part was that we're at a point where it's not uh, like we're at, we're at a point at, at this time where the status quo is changing now. So like Jordan was saying, is that something along the lines of like a circular city is actually kind of feasible now. We're not just using the be like the foundation that was set up in the 20s or 30s yeah, or 50s. Yeah, we're just not resigned to the same way of thinking. Right. So and and the possibilities out there are I'm not going to say endless, but there there're more options for us. There's more ways for us to do the same thing we've been doing just not as or I guess we could just do it in a more efficient way now. Yeah, new and efficient ways because people are more receptive to ideas. I think that's a key mm -hmm. component of any of the stuff moving forward. I think that's why, I mean, to an extent, I think we're pretty lucky to be kind of in the, the middle stages of our lives here because um, I think in the kind of as Jordan was saying, the next 20, 50 years, what it be, um, what have you, I guess, would be the right phrase. Um, we, we could be witness to some pretty cool things as far as kind of just norms and dynamics changing yeah i'd be interested to see like more local um i guess more certain geographical areas would adopt uh different technologies more than they would others so like uh, uh say west coast adopts more electricity while as central adopts more hydrogen based vehicles or something just to go off the vehicle dynamic yep. or something along those lines now and i know that not having a centralized form like how we all use gasoline uh, would pose problems but i don't i i would like to actually see more like the diversity in it all competition drives innovation right and that's what they say mm -hmm. well and i i think you know to that point too jake and and kind of uh getting off of what you were saying earlier austin or expanding on that <clears throat> the um innovation breeds innovation too right so as we improve our technologies and kind of progress we stumble into new technologies that mm -hmm. typically as we make advances, we don't discover things that push us backwards, right? We typically find things that continue to propel us forward. And as we make advances and we discover new things that stand to push us further faster, that's why, uh, like on my assessment of the timeline, the way we can transfer information just instantaneously today is a huge component of how we're able to advance things. We don't depend on the Pony Express anymore, right? It's no snail mail getting these uh, messages to researchers back and forth. So we're able to take these concepts, these ideas, these discoveries, 
and we're able to cross-reference them with other discoveries that are going on concurrently. We're able to send them all over the globe. We're able to have news up the next day of, you know, somebody found this and other people can look at it and peer review it and test it super quick. So it's just something where I feel like we should be more optimistic than less optimistic because progress just kind of expounds upon itself with this, you know, interest-bearing um, kind of return. Darren, do you have any more questions? No, I think uh, I think I'm set on my end. So, if there's anything else you guys want to say in conclusion here on this topic, I think um, you know we should just be excited for the advances that are being made, and um, everybody should keep their eyes peeled for you know new tech, new design, new energy, all that stuff. I think we're front runners for some city planning jobs coming up here pretty soon. So. Go ahead and polish your resume, guys. My local municipality know right now. <laughs> or we just painted some giant bullseyes on our backs. Absolutely. These guys are trying to shake the system, man. Uh-huh. Old money's getting angry at us. But on that, I'd like to thank everyone coming out and listening. Uh, once again, I'm Austin, and thank you, Jake and Jordan, for uh, joining me today. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. Absolutely.